0: If you have a Bible, would you turn, let's begin, uh, John 14, verse 21 for this morning. Um, We've been doing a series going through the end of the, the last passages of the Gospel of John, and it's called First Love, and the comma there is intentional. First love. God should be our first love, and the first thing for us to do, the first thing to do is love. First love. Um, And in this series, I'm sharing a vision for the church for the year. Um, We usually do that. I usually do that every March, Um, but we haven't done that for two years. So something else we get to do as we're coming out of COVID. So, and I felt the Lord impressed on me for this morning to continue with this series, First Love, and that's the word. And I'm bringing what I think is a word this morning, a specific word, as I've prayed, as I've listened to the Lord as best as I can. What he has for us for the year is to continue this first love. Um, And if you have the app, there should be today, um, I hope the team got it in there. There, is a, there are fill-in notes. You can click on that and there's an outline for this morning and the Bible verses and all those things are in there. You can make your own notes um, and I promise you, no one sees those notes if you put them in the app. They don't come to me. They don't go online somewhere. We, Bev and I aren't like, oh, I can't believe Claire Prime is, I can't believe Claire would say that. No, it's completely GDPR, lockdown. All yours to keep forever in the app, all right? So, and um, we're going to be look, drawing on a lot of Bible verses this morning. So let's begin with this. And Lord, I pray, I pray again this morning. I pray for your presence and your power, Lord. Thank you for the sense of joy and your love in the prayer meeting. Thank you for the atmosphere, this atmosphere here this morning, Lord. Multiply that in us and with us, Lord. Amen. John 14 verse 21 whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me the one who loves me will be loved by my father and I too will love them and show myself to them I think we often get this passage the wrong way around we think it's about obedience but it's not, it's about love um, Jesus, we could turn the sentence around you, Jesus says I know the people that love me because they obey me and those people that love me I'll love them and my father will love them it's a wonderful, wonderful verse Um, some of you the Lord is already speaking to you about returning to your first love he already was before we began this series, Um, some of you have a sense of God wanting to take your heart back as his, from all the other things that have gripped it, anyone been having that experience before we did this series or in it anyone, anyone a movement of love there you go, I love the way some of you are like, maybe maybe I love the way, some of you when you put your hand up, you also went like this. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, slide in the chair. But yeah, a few of you, there's a move of love. Let's pause now and pray for that. Lord, thank you that some of us, you told us you're starting a fire. Lord, thank you for that move of love and we pray for more of it. And Lord, maybe some of us would love to love bless that in us too um, I think it's the thing that the Lord is doing you know like everyone trying to make sense of the world yeah just did you think the world could get any more crazy <laughs> and you're like Lord and then go back to my Bible look at the church in history look at what God does and I've uh, been asking that what's this moment about um, uh, something something I was reminded of this week by my wife came up in a Vineyard Church meeting Um, the difference between chronos time and kairos time some of you come across that yeah chronos is where we get the word chronological you know when did Covid happen and we'll point to a diary yeah when did it end not soon enough yeah that's chronos time kairos is different Kairos, it's a word that's, that wasn't coined by the early church or Jesus, but was used. Uh, and it was a Greek word that meant a moment. What's this moment? That's beyond the date on the diary. Jesus uses this word in Mark 14, verse 15. The time has come. The kairos has come. Jesus makes an announcement. It's now. What is God doing in this chronos moment in history with all we face than all we have still to face it's going to be a bumpy year and jesus would say the time has come jesus gives us a way to live in the face of any chronos time and he tells us that the kairos moment sometimes we can search for kairos moments and think God, what are you doing specifically? There must be something to make sense of this. And a lot of the time, Jesus says, I've already given you the answer. It's the same as it was when I first appeared 2,000 years ago. It's the same Kairos moment today. The time has come, the kingdom of God is at hand. We don't need lots of discernment about what God's doing because he's already told us. Kairos moments break in again and again and again. Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment and the second is like this. Love your neighbour as yourself. We say, Lord Jesus, what do we do in the face of wars and plagues and economic turmoil? And he says, the same as I told you the first time. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind and strength and love your neighbour as yourself. The time has come. The time has come. Why? Why this? Because this is how Jesus lived. This is how the Lord works. This is what brings God's order into a broken world that has fallen away from him. When his people love him with all their heart, soul, mind and strength and love their neighbor as themselves. Do you remember the time before covid when we're all just lounging around with so much to do. I mean, we just so much time and energy and money. It wasn't, was it? If I had a penny for everyone, every time someone told me they were busy and tired, I could have paid off my mortgage and retired by now. And I'm guilty of that. And yet some of us think, it was a walk in the park, wasn't it, two years ago? And I've talked to you about entropy. It's something that comes to mind. How does the devil work? How does the world work? These these words that scripture tell us, not to demonize them, but tell us that the world and the enemy disconnected from God have a way of ordering our lives. And it's hardwired into science, entropy. Things that have energy fall out of energy. Yeah? What had energy decays. And God comes and says, no, the kingdom breaks in. And in the midst of loss and decay, by the way, one of the ways to understand war, it's the expending of vast amounts of energy to destroy life, to be in control. It's the opposite. It's the antithesis of the kingdom. The kingdom is God's opening of heaven over us and saying, love God with all your heart, love your neighbor as yourself. And I will order the universe. And we know this because ultimately, we're going to retell the story as we get to Easter. The world destroyed Jesus with all its energy and fury. And because of his love for the Father, God raised him from the dead. God's in the business of reversing entropy in our lives. He's in the business of raising us from the dead. He's in the business of letting us be utterly spent and poured out for him and converting it into eternal energy and life, resurrection life. I can hear some mm's there. Have so got some mm's, mm. Got some amens in the room? You can do that, by the way. Shake it off, like mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes, Lord. More, Lord. And a diagnostic of the way the world works and entropy works and the enemy works at times like this is to look at the decisions that we make to steward ourselves and just ask this one question and particularly because this, the force on us is relentless from the world. We are in a moment, Scripture would tell us, where the enemy is sifting us and trying to draw God's people away from him and what we start to do is we slice and cut our lives up and think if I do less of that and less of that and less of that, then I might have, I might finally get more and more energy and we get less and we get less and we get less. And the diagnostic is this. Do you know what a diagnostic is? To know if something's working. Am I closer to God and more full of his love for me? Because you can cancel everything in your life. You can take everything away and not be any closer to the Lord. But if we look at scripture, if we look at the stories in history of God's people who faced worse things than we face. You get Paul is able to say, I struggle with his mighty power at work in me. There is a place to find where everything could be taken away, but nothing could be taken away from us. That's the diagnostic. That's the measure of love at work in our lives. Love is the greatest ordering force in the universe, isn't it? We know that love if anyone's experienced love in any way in their lives we know it takes us from this energy state to this doesn't it has anyone ever had the magic of love in their lives love for another human being anyone and suddenly you'll give everything i remember when i first met beth I had no family support, no money, nothing, but somehow I managed that it was like, it was just like a law of the universe that the little that I had had to be given to her. I I remember staying up one night, we talked so long the sun came up. I gave up sleep, I didn't need sleep because we have been married 31 years and not anymore. And now we have mad passionate sleep in our lives. And we wake up and go, let's do that again. (laughs) Anyway, oversharing. So, overshare. Love. (laughs) We know that, don't we? Because there is something hardwired about love into the universe itself. It is the greatest thing we see in movies. It's the greatest thing we experience in our lives. For love, we will give everything when we have nothing. I remember being so broke when we were first married and we had our little Anna who's grown up now. She used to be like this and now she's a full adult. And she got married. <laughs> yeah. And I remember thinking, take, go into town thinking, I don't have the money to buy her a pram. That's how broke we were. I don't have anyone in my family that will buy us one. And, Lord, and I remember saying, Lord, how do I do this? He said, love will find a way. I thought, I'll do whatever it takes. love. I remember I couldn't wait to get, even though she never let me sleep and she's lucky to be alive. I remember being at work and the feeling that would well up inside me of run to the bus, get on the train, love. Love. We know that. Love is what people give their lives for will sacrifice their lives for and why because it's part of the fabric of the universe how God made us and yet when it comes to our relationship with God how much is it typified by that kind of love and Jesus comes to say that love that's what I have for the father it's what he has for you and it's what you can experience and Jesus has the audacity in the face of Roman occupation And wars and terrorism and a way of life that would just be so horrific if we went back in a time machine. We could not cope with it compared to today. And Jesus says the answer is this. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind and strength. And love your neighbor as yourselves. Love me and I will love you. Isn't that shocking? Jesus' plan, love. Because we know it's love. Paul in the New Testament talks to the Ephesians, the Philippians, the Galatians. If you don't believe me, go to his letters. And he writes to these churches. And they've got the most awful things happening. And what does he pray that they would know more of? Jesus and God's love for us. It's the answer to everything. And the problem is we reduce that to a platitude. Oh yeah, God's love. But I tell you what, if I said, what's the answer at the minute to your life? Love your family more. You go, oh, I get that. Love your spouse more. Oh, yeah. More love. Why not with the Lord? Love. John 3.16. You remember John 3.16, don't you? Jesus said to Nicodemus, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Um, I think a prayer is going to appear on the screen. It's by Joseph Whelan. This is one of my favourite prayers I discovered last year and pray almost every single day. Um, A Jesuit priest. Nothing is more practical than finding God, than falling in love in a quite absolute final way. What you are in love with, what seizes your imagination will affect everything. It will decide what you get out of bed for in the morning, what you do in the evenings, what you spend your weekends on, what you read, whom you know, what breaks your heart, what amazes you with joy and gratitude. Fall in love, stay in love, and it will decide everything. The only issue is, what do we love? Stay in love. Again, hopefully that's in the fill-in notes for you. I saw some of you try and take photos of it. That was the first and the main thing this morning. Second thing, let's unpack this kind of love then. Well, refining love, spiritual adultery. Revelation 2 verse 4. Um, If you remember in Revelation, Yeah, I hold this against you. This is Jesus speaking to a church. You have forsaken the love you had at first. You've forsaken. This is the church that Jesus is speaking to here in Revelation. They were known for being well organized and doing things really well. But Jesus says, This thing I have against you, you've, you've, you don't love me. It's the most important thing to him, is always love. And God is most concerned about the quality of our relationship with him. God reviews relationship with us through scripture again and again. He tells us, tells us that it's like a marriage. Profound love and a partnership. Uh, James, you know, we went through James recently. James 4, verses 4 to 5. You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity with God? Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Or do you think that the scriptures, the Bible says that without reason, God jealously longs for the spirit he has caused to dwell in us. That's how God perceives our relationship with us and yet we so often settle for something less than an intimate marriage full of passion and love and that's why God allows refining to happen Um, you know the word adultery we know what that means if someone commits adultery but you also know the word if something's adulterated yeah it means it's got some contaminants in it and there's lots of images in scripture about God in his relationship with us. And the way he does this, he allows the events of the world to be used to refine us. You know, anyone ever sing that song, Refine As Fire? The most dangerous song in the world to sing. <laughs> My heart's one desire is to be holy. Set apart for you, Lord, I choose to be holy. God guys. All right, then. Let's turn the heat up. Let's see what comes out. How dare God do that to us? How dare God take our relationship so seriously that he wants to bring out the adultery in it so that we might love him and know his love for us? Let's do a quick whirlwind tour here. 1 Peter 1 verse 7. Uh, These have come so that you, so that the trials, the previous verse, so that the proven genuineness of your faith of greater worth than gold, which it, which perishes even though refined by fire may result in praise, the refining of gold. Psalm 66, verse 10, and we have in Psalm 66, for you, God, tested us, you refined us like silver. Isaiah 1, verse 25, I will turn my hand against you, I will thoroughly purge away your dross and remove all your impurities. Isaiah 48, verse 10, see, I have refined you, I have tested you in the furnace of affliction. Why does God do that? Because of love. We are the most important thing to him. So let me, this section, ask you this question. Have you noticed some things come up and out of you in COVID? I have. God, I had no idea that was in there. What about some of your friends and family? Have you gone, where did that come from? Because it was there. But in the furnace and the heat it comes up on our whole world. God is allowing. One of the things he is allowing. Again, this is a Kairos thing that he says he always does at times like this. To see what comes up. I had a, lovely, a great phrase the other day. You never know where the rocks are until the tide goes out. There's a great revealing. So, first love. God wants to address our spiritual adultery. And we might pause there and think about what's been coming up in us. And saying, Lord... If I ever sang a song that I wanted you to refine me, what are you bringing out at the minute? Third thing of four, do you love me? after the resurrection the disciples are not full of faith they're traumatized they're overwhelmed and they saw the miracles and they've seen miracles in fact in John 21 verse 25 we're told that there were so many miracles there are not enough books in the world to write them all down in what Jesus did the disciples saw all of this all of that happened they swore to follow him to death and yet after Jesus' death and his resurrection they buckled and ran back to their old jobs and gave up Jesus was alive, he'd appeared to the disciples, but he didn't return with angels and an army to conquer the Romans. So if, after COVID, and any of your friends, if you are battered and bruised and overwhelmed, and if you are hiding from life, you're in good company because it's what the disciples did. It's what they did. Our God's gracious, he knows. We see in the gospel how gracious Jesus is and what he does next. And we have this wonderful story in John 21 where Jesus visits Peter. Peter has gone back to his old way of life. This is the Peter who dramatically gave up his fishing business with the greatest catch of his life to follow Jesus and said, you, you have the words of eternal life, I will never stop following you. And he's back fishing. And Jesus appears to him. It's one of the saddest images. Can there be anything sadder? And in John 21, as you know, I won't read the whole story. Peter is hurt because Jesus asks him three times, which is to recover his three denials. And Jesus says, Peter, did you get that Google document with my strategic plan? Peter, let's talk about your key performance indicators for this next season. Peter, I've got some really influential people who are really impressed with the resurrection. They're all ready to step in and resource you. Does Jesus do any of those things? No. Jesus goes, I mean, those things are important, by the way. But Jesus goes underneath them and underneath them and underneath them and underneath them to the most important thing in the whole of the universe, the God who made creation itself. And he reaches down to Peter and he makes breakfast for him and he says, Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord. You know I love you. Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know I love you. Peter, oh Lord, stop asking me, it's embarrassing. Everyone's looking at me, do you love me? Yes, and then he says, feed my sheep. Do you see the great commandment there? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love others as yourself. So, lastly, love changes everything love is the doorway it's the portal for everything that we're facing one john three verse one another wonderful verse this is the john from the gospel of john wrote two uh, letters that we have in the new testament see what great love the father has lavished on us that we should be called children of god and that is what we are the reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him love I've got a couple of quotes to put up here on the screen for you. Let's get the first one up. I think if we've got it, and that's Anthony DeMello. This is to finish on this. Or I'm going to read it. Not that. Never give in to the demands of Christ, give in to the demands of your own love for Him. Don't worry if it doesn't appear there, listen to me. Never give in to the demands of Christ. Give in to the demands of your love for him. Does that shock you when you hear that? I know the first time I heard it, I was like, no, I'm a good Christian. Never give in to the demands of Jesus. It's not how it works. Jesus is not a cosmic tyrant striding around telling us, you must do this. Yes, Lord because the next sentence from Anthony de Milo unlocks this said, give in to your demands for the love the love you have for Jesus it's so profound Augustine 1700 years ago Saint Augustine the second father of the early church as he's known um, Anthony de Milo a Jesuit priest is drawing on Augustine and Augustine wrote many many books and many many things was a wonderful bishop and a Christian and leader of, of the early church and he said this Love God and do whatever you want. Do you get it? Love God. Do whatever you want. Because that's how it works. If we love God, what will we do? Jesus said, I know the people that love me because it's really simple. If they love me, they obey me. It's like that in my marriage with my wife. But you know, one of the ways to understand in the traditional marriage of ours to love, honor, and obey. We misunderstand obedience. You see, everyone in the world right now is already obeying what they really love. If it's safety, they will give obedience to it. If it's not taking risks, if it's money, if it's their job, if it's their family, we are already obedient to what we love. Love, 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 love. The last thing on this is this. Um, the hymn, When I survey the wondrous Cross, those of you who've been around here, know that it's one of my favorite hymns. And in that hymn, it says, let's look at Jesus and everything is and everything that is done. And then when you get to the last verse, it says, in view of who Jesus is, in view of all of that, were the whole realm of nature mine that were an offering far too small, love so amazing, so divine, what's the next word? Demands. See, if I said to you, when I was in my 20s, I've fallen in love with this amazing woman and it demands every penny that I have and every ounce of my emotions. You go, yeah, we know that. Love changes everything. Amen. And now... Thanks, Bev. Glad someone was excited. (laughs) <laughs> oh, there was someone else back there. Thank you. Oh, and someone else there. Let's go, yeah.
1: yeah.
0: So, I'm going to now do this... The That was two-thirds of what I'm sharing this morning, the one-third. And we've got um, a video for you to watch and something from our trustees for you. So, our vision for the year. Well, I've already set it out for the year. Um, and We try to discern in prayer and pastoral meetings and with leaders and with members the, the texture and the feel of, take all of those things and I sit there with all of them and go, Lord, what are you saying to us? What are you doing? haven't you've heard the word this morning, it's love. Our vision statement as a church is to invite people into their first and next encounter with God. If you're wondering about joining this church or if you're in it and wondering where we're going this year, we are pressing into this Kairos moment in history to be utterly overwhelmed by the love of God and share that love for others. That's what we're doing. If you want that, hang around here. I told you a little image for me is I want my grandkids to say to me, Granddad, one day tell me about COVID. There'll be the chronos things, the toilet rolls (laughs) and isolation. But what I want them to be asking about is I want them to have faith. No pressure, but my grandchildren need to be (laughs) followers of Jesus. But I imagine my wonderfully disciple following of, of Jesus' grandchildren. I want to be sharing the Kairos thing and say, oh, and there was such an outpouring of the love of God and here's what he did. And I took part in it. That's what's at stake in this moment. Love and encounter. We've used the image of fire here. The temperature rising. God, It's easier to catch fire when other people are on fire, by the way. Did you know that? Some of us at the minute... The Lord's, we're fire starters. He's getting us going. And others of us are like, we're, we're ready to burn. And then others are so soaked. Just keep hanging around here because God's going to build a fire that gets so big. Did you know that when a fire gets big enough, it will cause anything to catch fire? So if you're feeling sodden and wet, keep hanging around because the fire's coming and you will catch fire. How do you build a fire? The Lord lights it, but we're fuel. We have fine straw and kindling and logs. And in our adults and kids and youth, here is what we're going to build, a fire this year. Prayer, worship, prophecy in the community, our lighthouse, small groups, God's word. And the Lord is building that. And we're going to put those things together. And we need some fuel for the fire. And this time of year, we focus on two specific things as fuel for the fire. And the first one is this serving here on a Sunday and to build the fire here and all the things that help all that stuff happen. By the way, there is nothing exciting about being on a rotor. Don't sign up to be on a rotor. Don't give in to the demands to be on a rotor. Don't do it. But if Jesus says, I want to build a fire in this church, then get on a team. That's it. And another thing to build the fire here is our giving. Our giving is fuel for the fire. It allows us to invest in what God is doing. I'll tell you what, uh, in all the challenges we had financially last year, a member of our church gave, some people gave significantly, individually and wonderfully. And in particular, one of them allowed us to invest in our youth pastor. And all the things in getting her here and what she did. We had fuel to bring this amazing woman to our church. And now her awesome husband. Marco (laughs) no pressure Marco (laughs) the Lord has brought you here for this time I said that to you in person there's something with you and Hannah together there is a gift here for the fire and it's it's not just the youth there is something here in our church I've got to know Marco I'm not going to tell you his story because he'll tell you his story but he's brought something from the Lord fuel for the fire so, our trustees are going to come up and share with you. Give them a welcome. <laughs> or... Sam is. <laughs> Hi, Sam. Come on, Sam. Are you on your own?
1: Yeah, I thought I was going to have wingman, but I can't find them. Is no-one
0: going to come and stand next to you? That's fine. No? Oh, that's None. None. Come on, no? Come on, Johnny. Come on, Johnny. Come on, let's honour our trustees. Oh, yes! New trustee! Woo, Marita! Marita is our latest trustee. If it wasn't for these guys, these last two years, when COVID happened, meeting every week the things they have had to process emotionally, financially, to keep us moving forward as a church. We love you. And now, they're going to share.
1: Thanks, Joseph. Um Hello. <laughs> uh, my name's Sam, so I, I am one of the trustees, and this is our brilliant trustee group. We also have D, who will be watching online, who's absolutely amazing as well. Um, we're just giving a bit of an update, but so first and foremost, what is a trustee? So I think... Because we're a church, sometimes you kind of forget that we're actually a a registered charity. We have employees, we have um, kind of operations. We we, we run to a certain extent like you would have to run a kind of a business. And so we have directors who have to make some important decisions. And we often refer to those in churches and charities as trustees. We are entrusted with making some kind of big decisions and and ultimately making sure that the the church can carry on to to meet our vision. And and that is largely what we do. with different skill sets, Um, We've got kind of accountants, we've got teachers, we've got HR staffs, but that ultimately is kind of what we're there to do. Um, How does that sit alongside Jason and Bev as the uh, the senior pastors of the church? Well, the way that I kind of see it is we are entrusted to make sure that we are in the best possible um, situation to deliver our vision. To do that, we have to continue to actually be able to operate. So we need to make sure that we can pay the bills, that we can actually make sure our staff get paid, that we have safeguards in place, that we, 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 we need to do everything we need to do. But ultimately, Jason and Bev, as the senior pastors and the other staff, are responsible for delivering that vision. And I think that's a really important thing with regards to how the trustees work alongside Jason and Bev and kind of other kind of members of the church. Um, so that's a significant kind of part of what we do. Um, and actually, there's not that many. <laughs> there's not that many criteria to actually becoming a trustee. Um, but but two of the things you absolutely have to do is you have to serve and you have to give. And, and Jason's just been speaking about that. Um, and the reason for that is we think that that is a requirement to be committed members of, of what we're doing here in order to make to to, to see that vision come true. And so we can't stand here and make those decisions if ultimately we aren't bought into doing those things ourselves. And and I think that that is absolutely vital um, for Sutton Vineyard Church and and, and just continuing in kind of what we do. So so one of the things that I was thinking about when we were kind of asked to give this update is kind of, well, why do I give? Why why, why do I serve? And, And to be honest, Jason said it better than I could ever have said it this morning. But I... I'm absolutely bought into to the vision and wanting to see this come to fruition in, in in Sutton Vineyard Church. I was, I was, I said this last time. I was, I was up at um, this spot, but I was baptized here, and I get to see in a few weeks' time other people get baptized and give their lives to Jesus, and that's that's what is happening in this church. And I always find the question of why do you give quite an interesting one, because it's actually. the only time you really get asked why you you put money into something so i've had the conversation with people from work before when they kind of find out that i i kind of give to a church um and they're kind of like why why and i'm kind of like i've never been asked that with anything else so for my sins i'm i i I love sport and I put a certain amount of investment into that um, as, a, as a season ticket and I go to, to, to various things. And no one ever asks me because they know I absolutely love sport. So of course I invest my time and my money in, into it. And it's exactly the same with being a, a member of, 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 of Sutton and Vineyard and, 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 and any church that it is worth my money and it is worth my time because it's something that I absolutely love and I'm bought into so one of the things that we were given an update on, I won't go into real details, because one, we don't have time. <laughs> and two, if I just threw numbers at you, then, then no one's gonna take, take, take any of them away. But we are very open um, with regards to it. If anyone wants to know kind of more about the situation that, that we as a church are in, then any number of the trustees would be absolutely happy to have conversations with you, um, and I certainly would. But, but Jason just said, there are a number of church that churches that have struggled and are struggling coming out of of covid uh, whether or not that be committed members people being able to get people together to actually serve finances um, and we are really blessed in in the fact that we are in a very good financial situation with the money that we have in the bank and um, and actually the the impact that we were expecting from covid was was nowhere near as 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 bad as some of the projections kind of had suggested um but we are looking to to grow out of that um we've just run through our our recent budget and to be 100 open to everyone we have planned for a deficit going into this year and what that effectively means is we are gonna we are planning to at the moment to have less coming in than we are than we're spending out and um, we've signed that off as a group because we think that it's Prudent to do so, and, and actually, it's 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 what we need to do in order to 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 um, get through the next six months and uh, 12 months. And the reason why we're doing that is because we really do feel like we are in a position of growth going going forward from now. Um, and actually, we have made the investments largely in our staff to to be able to see that vision come. And and actually, I think we've got one slide that uh, we did say that we we would present today, and it just shows you where our money goes. So. Uh, as a if it no slide know. You? <laughs> <go>. no slide <laughs> oh here you go and and this is just numbers but I think this just shows you where we're putting our value at the moment in what we needed to do we we have um, just commissioned a new youth pastor and a new associate pastor like in order to do the things that we do we need a number of staff to be able to, to bring it rich, um, to fruition. The amount of operations that you are involved in running a church of this size is significant and we need people who are brilliant at their job and, and passionate to do it, to be able to bring that to fruition. We also give as a church, we practice what we preach. Uh, we, we give to a number of things um, with, with the funds that come in. So so really this just goes to show a little bit of kind of, f- for every pound that we get, where, where mm-hmm. money goes. But, but ultimately, I just want to leave with this. We are in a really exciting time. Jason's just been speaking about that. We've heard how passionate he and other staff members are recently about what they want to see happening in this church. We're in a good position to be able to do that. Going forward, we have planned to spend more than is coming in because we think that is the right thing to do and, and, and we're very happy to kind of sign that off. And we just invite people to be a part of that. Um, consider if you aren't giving, um, the, 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 the what, what's in your heart with regards to that and, and, and reviewing what, what you are um, and just an invitation to serve. So I think other than that, if there's anything else that any of the trustees want to say. Yes. Great, I Sam. No, spreadsheet. no spreadsheets. <laughs> <laughs> I'm an accountant that doesn't like spreadsheets. <laughs> um but otherwise yes, so thank you, um, and as I say, if there's any questions or if anyone wants to become a trustee, please just come and speak to us we absolutely love everyone so thank you.
0: So we hope, as you get to meet our trustees, they're the people who uh, look after your giving so wonderfully and allocate it and take care of it. Um, And um, now we have, lastly, a little video about serving, don't we? Have we got that ready? Roll the VT. is really part of belonging. When you actually belong to something um, it's nice to participate rather than just be a spectator. There's a number of reasons really why I serve but ultimately I think for me it's about giving back and giving glory to God. It just
1: helps me to feel part of the body of Christ, a part of the church family. God says that we should love our neighbour. It's in the Bible, it's an expectation, it's a way of showing our love for him. I just want to be part of the church community. I feel it's part of my Christian duty to actually serve on a team and actually be part of what is going on here. Church doesn't just happen magically. We can't just walk through the door and it's all just magically there. With people like the teams have to be putting in their hard work first thing in the morning. There are so many different ways to serve. I love being on the teas and coffees mostly because I get to chat to lots of people. I've, I've learned loads about the Bible through um, teaching the kids because it's in a really simple and easy to understand and digest way. So I serve on the setup team and I serve on the youth team and my favourite thing is the people that I get to know better from serving in that team and the variety from being on two teams. I love welcoming people into church. I go home thinking hopefully I've made somebody else's life happier today I surf because um, I really enjoy spending time with kids I really like their imagination and the crazy ideas they come with I enjoy the ability to meet different people
0: it's just wonderful to be uh, welcoming people getting to know people uh, learning a few names for me it's about connecting with people that also love God Uh, and it's a lot of fun and a a place to learn new things
1: I know that we've put in the hard work and the effort to make something come alive. Someone on a team helps my faith because I just feel like I'm doing what God wants me to do. The friendships I've made whilst serving on kids and welcome have been amazing um, and you just really feel part of the fabric of your church.
0: For me it's deepened my relationship with well, God personally, um, but also in terms of meeting new people who also love God in churches giving me that space to meet them and to care them as well.
1: It really helps me build fruitful relationships and friendships at church. And Spending some time contributing and serving really helps you to feel that sense of belonging. There are no redundant parts of my body, they've all got a job to do and uh, they're all physically doing it together so you're part of that. What I would say to someone who isn't yet serving is do it. There's always a need for people. Join us. You won't regret it. There's a team that's right for you and you'll have a really, really great time. Come and give it a try because it's amazing and you probably will love it. Do it. Actually sign up and have a go at it. We need you and if you're not on a team, you should be. Ask the Lord where he wants you to be and go for it. There's plenty of opportunity. Just step up. Time to serve.
0: can the, uh, the worship team come back so to, to sum up for all of us a lot there this morning so we and I'm going to pray we began with love remember that why do we exist as a church to encounter God's love and share his love um, that's what we began with and we said, what's our vision for the year? To build around that. Let the Holy Spirit breathe on us and make a fire that would help us catch fire and those around us catch fire. And that's a, real, a focus on prophecy and worship and Sundays and kids and youth and, and all those things. Um, and that's what we're doing. I get to talk to lots of pastors because we share stories like you probably do with people that you work with. Um, with the church the other week they have no small groups anymore and they're not sure if, when they'll be able to restart any teams because entropy has happened I spoke to someone else in another denomination the other week said we're closing more churches than we've ever closed and you see that's, that's what happens at times like this entropy and it works one by one by one by one by one until a fire goes out but this Kairos moment is where the Lord does the opposite And he builds a fire. And this is the opposite of the lie the enemy tells us. The enemy tells us you're not important and you're not needed. Bless him. We had Brian, didn't he? He nearly preached in his (laughs) video. We're part of the body. We're all valid. And together, one by one by one by one, he joins us together and he brings us to life. So that's the call to action and the invitation. And we're asking you in the app Or on the website, we're asking you to consider these two things. If you're not on a team, sign up to be on one. How do you know if you're not on a team? Because nobody contacts you regularly and asks you once a month to do something, right? If you don't currently have somebody once a month reminding you to do something here, you're not on a team, please say yes, okay? We need you. And in terms of giving, It would be wonderful to have more fuel for the fire. If you're not giving, pray and say, Lord, do you want me to give? If you are giving, pray and see if Jesus wants you to grow your giving for that love and for that fire. And also a particular thing this year um, we're asking for, if people want to make a lump sum, a one-off gift at the start of the year, that would really help us. Um, Trustees doing all they can, but we're having some faith that God would bless us to move into the year to invest. That's in the app It's on the website. Let's stand and I'll pray. Lord, thank you that we are part of your greatest endeavor in the world. That your son Jesus, after he had risen, we looked at this a few weeks ago, he said, I need to go, it's better for you. I need to go to the Father so that the Spirit can be poured out and you can do with the Father what I have done. And Lord, thank you that your people have done that for 2,000 years. Lord, thank you that at other moments in history that Christians turned to you and experienced your love and reached and prayed for future generations. Thank you that we are the answer to the prayers of previous generations who prayed for the future and Christians in the future. Thank you, Lord, that we are the inheritance of those who served and gave. And Lord, may we participate in your Kairos moment in history. So as we sing these songs, Holy Spirit, move amongst us, touch our hearts, bring hope to us, deliver us, speak to us, and let songs of praise rise from our lips. Amen.